Welcome to Geek and Friends! I'm your host, Scott Davis, alongside Jason Hickey. Greetings, Scott. How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Have you been stuck at home? Uh, I actually took the day off yesterday, Yeah. which was, for those folks at home, it was March 16th. It was Monday, the first day of our major shutdown here in Wisconsin. And I was home with five kids and nine animals. You have a brood. Yeah. <laughs> One of our dogs just had puppies, too, so we are, uh, we're awash with animals. You have a brood. <laughs> yeah. So, luckily, I am back at work, where it's nice and quiet. I can sit at my desk, stare at my computer, and it's wonderful. That's so great. At work right now, we're all disinfecting everything. Ah. So, we're just, like, every like every three hours, like, someone just goes up and starts cleaning something else. Sounds, that sounds about right. It's good, though. We know that we're clean. Yeah. Well, and you're still working, too. So and that's... we're still working. So, that's what, that's what matters. Yes. But, enough about that situation we're gonna actually go into our fantasy realm about picard yes so we had a new episode of picard drop last week it was basically a setup episode definitely because um there's only two more episodes after this too. right and and it's being billed as a two-parter so yeah now it, it, it was well when i say it was a setup episode they're definitely preparing for the finale but at the same time i really enjoyed it it answered a good amount of questions in that we got a look into rios because when soji beamed onto this ship he had a reaction, a definite reaction, and he didn't know what to do with himself, and he shut himself in his quarters, and there was a great scene where Raffi is going around, and she keeps, because you gotta remember, there's five holograms on this ship that all look like Rios, and sometimes the difference is very subtle, and she keeps talking to them, thinking that it's him, and it's not. So then, there's a fantastic scene where she gathers all the holograms. Oh, I need, we need to stop, though, first, because we need to introduce ourselves to the engineer hologram. Oh, we do! That was Scotty. We, we hadn't seen that was that definitely, definitely scotty oh that was scotty to a t <laughs> it was definitely a scottish engineer thick accent called raffi lass which she did not approve of it was great cristobal what's his name right yes cristobal cristobal is such a great actor i mean santiago cabrera who plays cristobal rios he's he's a great actor because if he would only play rios and play him as just a brooding you know loner who doesn't like anyone it really wouldn't be that impressive. But then he plays the outgoing medical hologram. He <laughs> plays the crazy Irish navigational hologram. He plays the drunken weapons hologram. Tactical. He, tactical hologram. He plays the Scottish uh, engineer hologram. He plays all of these. With... You forgot the best one. Oh, which one did I forget? The hospitality hologram. Oh, the hospitality hologram. The one he hates. I know, but it's honestly... It... <laughs> It's so much fun when he's playing him. It is. And that's the thing. He plays all of them slightly differently. He plays all of them with very different accents. And they all have a different accent. Like, right. Like the engineer, as you say, with Scottish accent. Right. The um, medical is more refined British, I'd almost say. Yes. One of them is, is definitely the the drunken Irishman <laughs> tactical oh, yeah. officer. Uh, no, the, the tactical officer is definitely Spanish. Spanish, Spanish. Yes, the Irish Spanish. one is the uh, navigational hologram. Okay, thank you. I mix up the two. Well, they all look alike. They do, <laughs> <laughs> but he plays them all differently, and it's fantastic. I love it when, and I love that there was a payoff in that you find out that these holograms came as a package. They scanned him. He didn't bother deleting them, and they all carry parts of his personality. But he deleted pieces inside of them. Yes, because he doesn't want people knowing. What happened on his ship? Ibn Madras? The Ibn Majir. Majir? Oh. Hmm. I believe it's... Well, Ibn means son of. 
I know this from the Thirteenth Warrior. Thank you, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, it, it's it's Arabic. I know that. Yeah, I just I believe it was like a parable story that had probably it in there. Uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I like about they're they're really going into the naming conventions in New Trek, and I kind of like it. So you find out that they got a first contact mission and these two people came on board. One of them was named Jana and looked exactly like Soji. So we can surmise that they are synthetics. And Scott's showing me it was the Ibn Majid. It's a sweet name for a starship, I might add. He, it wasn't. It, it was not a parable. It was actually an act. It was actually an Arabic navigator and cartographer, which makes a lot of sense for a space show. Yes. So, and the other character, or the character, the other person that came on board his ship was beautiful flower. Beautiful flower. Now, I'm mark this time in the podcast. I'm calling it. Beautiful flower is going to be played by Brent Spiner without makeup. No. Yes. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to say that Beautiful Flower is actually going to be played by uh, Bruce Maddox. All right, mark it down, folks. One of us is going to be right. Who's in right more often, though? <laughs> I believe we're both one and a half for no, one no, and no, a half. No, 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 because I actually, I'm actually right on another thing, because when Jana came on, I said, we're going to see more of Daj and Soji. But that wasn't, girl is gonna that be. was not a prediction we made on the show. Predictions we made on the show, we're both one and a half for one and a half. Because, <laughs> yes, folks, I'm taking that half a point on Free Cloud. <laughs> so, anyway, I think it's going to be Brent Spiner, because it would be a great payoff. His captain was ordered to murder them. Uh, if he didn't, the ship would be destroyed. He did it. He then committed suicide because he couldn't handle it. And Rios buried the records... He beamed the bodies into space, he erased all the records, he made it look like his captain just committed suicide, and then Rios couldn't handle it, and he washed out of Starfleet, and that is his character. Now, I do think it's a little convenient that his character is tied, that his character's past is tied to the overall plot. Mm. It's a little too small worldish for me, but... Um, it's a short series, and they want yeah. to do an overarching story. I was personally hoping that we weren't going to get answers on Rios mm. this season, that we were going to get it more next season. But I'll take it. It flowed nicely. There was some good payoff with Rafi and Rios, and I liked it. And then Soji, after she learns all of this, she decides to go all positronic on us. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that she put up a shield mm-hmm. to block anyone from coming into the into the into the deck. And then Rios just needed to sing a lullaby. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was good. Well, it really showed you. This is Rios's ship. You're not going to get by with anything on Rios's ship that he does not want you to. Mm-hmm. Which kind of tells me that he had Rafi locked out of his quarters. He was ready to talk mm-hmm. because she was able to get in. Because mm-hmm. you ain't doing nothing on Rios's ship without his okay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, and we did learn some cool stuff too. We learned that O is half Romulan mm-hmm. and half Vulcan. And once Data came on the scene... She infiltrated Starfleet and worked her way up the ranks. So we can... I, I, I like the fan theory that she is responsible for Maddox originally trying to take Data and take him apart. All the way back. From All the, the way gen. back. And it makes sense, because if she's there to guard against synthetic life, then, then, then that would be something that she would do. We learned that Mars was the Romulans. They did something to the synthetics on mm-hmm. Mars that caused them to go homicidal and kill tens of thousands of people. And... It's good vindication for Rafi, and honestly, it was good vindication for Jurati because we see the forced mind meld. We know that she didn't want to do this. We know that O implanted directives in her mind that she couldn't talk about it, and that she was 
not acting on her own. And while she's still perfectly willing to answer for it, because Picard told her straight up, you're turning yourself in, you're going to jail. And she agreed to it too. And she agreed because she feels terrible, even though she wasn't in complete control. So I'm, I'm curious as to whether she's going to be in season two, because I haven't heard anything. But we shall see. Um, and then back on the board cube, we can't forget this because, as we predicted, the Fenris Rangers arrived. The Fenris Ranger Ranger I'm arrived. Sorry, the Fenris Ranger arrived, and the fact that she became a board queen. Yeah, that was uh, you could. Jerry Ryan is great. This character is hers through from through. start to finish. She created this. She crafted it, and. You can see the pain in her voice when she's saying, I might not want to come back from this if I do this. And then she does it anyway. Mm -hmm. Because she knows this is the good. Right. And the good outweighs the bad of her becoming the boy queen. Right. It's it's basically Spock's old proverb. Mm -hmm. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yes. And she needed to do this. And then as soon as she got connected, whoosh. Yeah. Did you see that coming as soon as they were connected? No. I, I guess... I mean, she, they did mention that. There was a line of dialogue that said they were ready to blow him out. And then when she takes over, I was expecting this, all the drones to wake up because you see them waking up throughout the ship. Mm-hmm. And you hear the, we are Borg, and, and you get goosebumps because, A, the Borg are terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're space zombies, and zombies are terrible. <laughs> and you, you think that she's going to direct this army of space zombies against the evil Romulans, and then... Yeah. With the press of a button, they just blow them all into space, and you can see the anguish on her face when it happens. I mean, luckily she was able to save some, but... Do you think that they assimilated her? The the Borg? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't... You gotta remember, she's got Borg tech. She still has nanites mm-hmm. in her body. I no, don't... no, no, not talking about Ryan. Oh! Not talking about the se- Seven and Nine. You're talking about... Because actually what happened was... Rizzo. The cube itself said Annika, which is actually Seven's real name. Right. Annika has more work that she needs to do. Right. We are not taking control of her. Right. The cube said that. So then my statement is, is Rizzo... Maybe. I don't know. Because all we see is we see her being tackled by a bunch of ex-Borgs, mm-hmm. brought to the ground, and then you see a flash... Mm-hmm. Tells me she was transported away. Yep. And then you see all, all the Romulan ships take off because they know where they're going at this point. So she might have been. I don't know. I'm going to say probably not because honestly, if I was a Romulan who has no trust for synthetics and... Well, they did have the the, uh, the badges that they had to wear when they were in the ship, which actually is a badge to wear so you cannot be assimilated. So I'm assuming that is what's in effect and why they're not assimilating her. And see, I was thinking it was when one of the first things they would want to do with an ex-Borg is take out the tube nodules in their hands mm-hmm. that allow them to, to assimilate people. But these weren't all the ex-Borgs because they actually these could have actually been some of the Borgs that were in other chambers. True. That were asleep. Right. Because, I mean, I, I by no means do I think that all the Borg on that ship are gone. Mm. I mean, thousands? Absolutely. All? No. Mm. No. And we, we got a really good Picard speech about hope and... It was great, and it just, I, I gotta touch on this, a lot of people online are complaining that this is, it's too dark for Star Trek, it's not the Star Trek I know, it's not my Star Trek, because because it's darker, but you gotta remember, this is being made in a time where this is what television is. You never would have had a show like Breaking Bad, about mm. a science teacher turned meth dealer back in the 80s. It, it just, it wouldn't have happened. Not at all. But this great, is, show, great show, though. Oh, fantastic show. But this is TV now, and TV has more of an edge. And, and TV is also not episodic. It right. is more serialized. It's more serialized. They're on streaming shows, which is why they're able to get away with more, which mm-hmm. is why you had, like, three F-bombs in this episode. Yeah. But I guess 
I can respect the fact that Trek is darker now, but they're still bringing it around to the hopeful message that Star Trek has always had. They did it in Discovery. They're doing it in Picard. This is Star Trek. It is still hopeful. And that's what we want. Exactly. Thank you for uh, bringing it Star Trek Picard to us again. We got My two, pleasure. two more episodes of it. I know. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. <laughs> we'll see. We've got more shows coming up, though. I know we have uh, Alter Carbon and oh, yeah. Star, uh, Star Wars Clone Wars and a few more shows coming out that we're going to mm-hmm. you know, keep up with. So not to worry. we got more things to talk about. Yes. Though today, I got an email from Tor Publishing. As did I. Have you seen this? this is the, uh, I've, I haven't seen this book before, so it's new to me. It's called Red Shirts. Yes. So to me, I'm thinking it's about Star Trek. Well, you're right and you're wrong. Okay. So Red Shirts, I, I read this book. Um, for, those of, for those of you wondering, Tor is the publisher of the Wheel of Time series. They're a big fantasy science fiction publisher, and they do a free ebook every month, and this month it is Red Shirts by John Scalzi. Now, John Scalzi is primarily a science fiction author. Uh, he's written Old Man's War. He's written um, Collapsing Empire. Great books. Very readable. He's easy reads, and they're great. Now, Red Shirts is a send-up of Star Trek. It is a comedic homage to the original series, and it takes place on a ship in the United Universe Union, I believe it's called. Can't, so it's not, remember. it's not Starfleet. It's not Starfleet. But so it takes the main character is this fresh recruit on the ship and so excited to work on the flagship and so excited to get on some away missions and then gradually finds out that the only people to, you know, there's always the the captain, the first officer and like a science officer that goes on these away missions and and one other person. And the away missions always end disastrously. And the only people to come back alive are the three people in charge of the ship. And there's always that one person who dies. Now, I know and Scott knows this is directly referencing Star Trek because there was this phenomenon in the original series back in the 60s where they'd always take a security officer with them and that guy would die well, it's just because almost all the time. It's because they didn't want to show the blood, so you get a red shirt, they don't have to yeah. show the blood. So this is a direct homage to that and it becomes... There's much more to it. I mean, please don't think that it's only that. There is an overarching plot that is it takes you in directions you didn't think it would go, but it is a direct homage to Star Trek, and it is pretty great. To me, it sounds sort of like a book that I, I've read before, which is more like medieval time. It's what do the guards do around you know the castle that aren't really doing much, you know, <laughs> waiting for the, the big heroes going out to do the journey. Right. And that's a book called Guards Guards by Terry Pratchett. Ah. It's uh you know it's this it's the book about the secondary or tertiary characters, not the main heroes. You know, I've never actually read Pratchett. It's, it's actually those... it's actually a good one. It's, it's more comedic. Yeah. Well, that's what I've heard is that he's actually pretty funny. It's one of those yeah. authors that I've always wanted to get into. I just I've never taken the leap and done it. Well, I'll let you borrow my Guards Guards. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I do got to say, uh, the whole what the lower ranked people do is kind of the premise of the animated series of Star Trek coming out soon, where it's the least important people on the least important ship. <laughs> so the everyman is a great storytelling possibilities. The everyman is always there. Well, we're going to go now into wheel of time. Yes. Cause it's been a while. And uh, so we're going to get to either world. We pretty much talked over with Jason. We figured out how we're handling it. We're doing about four episodes per book. Uh, you know, cause we do about 10 minutes per quarter yeah i guess yeah is how we're gonna call it and so from this point and we're gonna try and do these whenever we do a wheel time thing we're gonna do them at the end so that you know we're gonna do spoilers on these on these part of the books right if we're gonna do a spoiler we're gonna we want you to know what's happening um if you want to listen to it we will be doing spoilers we will always give you a spoiler warning before we start doing wheel time so you know about the spoilers right. going forward right 
And that's my niche big spiel about spoilers. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about that? Uh, just so you know, there will be spoilers. There you go. <laughs> and if we had a third person or a fourth person here, they would say the same thing. Yes. So last time we left off, the Emmons Field was in ruins. Yes. Um, I believe it was every third house was rubble and the others mm. were scorched from the fires that the Trollocs had set. And Moraine was found out that she is Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And Lan has found out that he is a warder. Yes. Now, these people are bred to not trust Aes Sedai. <laughs> and even though she helped, there are people ready to just toss her out of the village. Senbui. Yep. Dang, Coplins and Congers. Senbui. If it's not a thatched house, she can't trust it. Right. So, I, I believe we, we touched on Rand dragging his father through the woods. Mm-hmm. And Rand, of course, goes to the Wisdom because the Wisdom is the one who can heal his, her, his father. And he needs this He needs this done. He needs to save his father. And the Wisdom takes one look at him and says, Not going to do it. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help him. Make him comfortable. I got to go help other people who I can save. And goes away. And so, since everyone found out that Moraine was Aes Sedai, they've heard the stories. And part of the stories is miraculous healing. Right. And so Ran is like, well, if she's an Aes Sedai, she can go fix him. Safe bet. And so this is the point where he then meets up with Moraine and he makes the compact. Right. Because Aes Sedai always extract a price and it's not always what you think. And what was the exact compact, if you remember? It was, I will heal your father and you will leave this village with me. Because And it wasn't just him, though. Right. It was his friends, Matt and Perrin because Moraine had surmised that they were the targets. One of the three of them is going to be the Dragon Reborn. Right. Now, she does not tell them this. She keeps this very close because if you want to freak anyone out in this world, it's telling them that they're going to be the Dragon Reborn. A reviled character. A male that's going to be the Dragon Reborn. Because if you're a male and you're going to be the Dragon Reborn, you're going to become a male channeler. Right. And if you are a male channeler, which means you are a male Aes Sedai, you are going to go insane. Inevitable. Inevitable. It will happen. Right. And we will come across this further on. We'll explain more what's going on right. uh, further down the line. So at this point... Um, Moraine agrees. She then goes off to heal, heal Tam. After she heals Tam, she then tells Rand that gather all this stuff, gather what he's needed to go, but you cannot tell anyone. Right. But what does Rand do? <sighs> Rand opens his mouth. Because <laughs> if you tell Rand not to tell anyone, chances are he's going to tell someone because Rand is dumb. Rand, Rand is a plot device. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. In this early book, definitely. <laughs> Rand is a pure and simple plot device. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, Rand then writes a letter. Uh, he goes and he tells Tam. Um, Perrin wrote a letter, did he not? No, Perrin uh, didn't write a letter. Was... No, Perrin and Matt wrote letters. Yes. Tam, uh, Rand told his father. Yes. So so it was. So I, was, I thought one of them didn't tell anyone. I thought they both wrote letters. I don't know. I'll have to look it up again. But I, it, it's not that much of a yeah, it's detail not, on no. that but it was, you know, Matt and, Matt and Perrin, they pretty much they followed what uh, Moraine said. Because Moraine actually did say you could write a letter. Right. But you can't go and tell anyone. Right. Rand just, just doesn't really Immediately wants. tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> so he then gets the sword from Tam to go out with. Right. And then we meet up with Perrin, who has an axe that Master Luhan gave to him that was, is like the greatest axe that was ever made in this yep. village. Half moon blade with a thick spike on the end. Matt comes out with pretty much a stave. 
He has a bow. Oh, yes, the Two Rivers Longbow. He's got the Two Rivers Longbow. Good for 300 paces. You, you can't just say a bow on these. I, yes. The Two Rivers Longbow is this miraculous bow that no one can draw unless you're from the Two Rivers or unless you are the strongest man. Right. Because <laughs> essentially it is a six and a half foot tall bow and it's, it takes a lot of practice to be able to use it. Just just to pull it back. Yeah. But, um, so they gather together, and then they start gathering uh, the horses, and who's the next one? Is it Egwene, or is it the Gleeman? Uh, it is Egwene. Yeah, so Egwene then comes in, and she's like, well, I saw you guys were, were starting to get together, and, and I know that you are just, you're gonna, you're gonna be leaving. You're, you're right. getting out of here. And I want to go on the journey with you. Right. I want to go on this journey. And these boys are not saying it's a journey. Right. I want to get out of this hick village, is basically what it comes down to. And she's doing this by choice. Yes. She, she just wants to get out and have, have an adventure. So she gets up and she leaves it with Moraine. And then coming at the same exact time, we have Tom. Yes, because if you remember, the reason Tom came up into it is because they were going to steal his horse. Yes. And then Tom poked his head up and said, I will be taking my horse. Thank you very much. (laughs) So we now have our little fellowship. Right. Because we said before, this is sort of a homage to the Lord of the Rings. Right. Now we have the Fellowship. The Fellowship is off on its way. They start going towards White Watch Hill. Hill. Watch Hill. Watch Thank Hill. Watch Hill. Watch Hill. They start going towards Watch Hill. And, and as they get to Watch Hill, they, um, they feel that they're being followed. Right. Uh, but at this time, while they're actually traveling to Watch Hill, Moraine starts talking to a Gwen. Mm-hmm. And Moraine tells Gwen she can channel. Right. She can be an Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. So then the boys are like, no, you shouldn't do that. You yeah. shouldn't be an Aes Sedai. Right. Aes Sedai, they're in league with the Dark One. You can't do that. So, but Gwen just is like, no, I want to do this. I oh, yeah. want to be, I want to be part of this larger thing. Gwen is very headstrong. Yes. And if you tell her not to do something, it's as good as telling her to do it. <laughs> so then she starts to learn with with Moraine. And during one of the lessons, you saw Rand actually was spying on them. Mm-hmm. And Moraine knew that he was spying. You can definitely tell that. Oh, yeah. From there. Oh, yeah. Um, but she's teaching Egwen how to use a little blue orb and to make it light. Right. But unbeknownst to Rand, but we find out later, that little blue orb is used for Moraine to spy on people. Right. That's a spying orb. It's her little her little trick she's got. Yes. So Rand and Egwen then start getting this huge argument. And Rand's like, I don't want you being a nice guy. They are bad. They are mm-hmm. evil. And he's shouting this. And then he realizes he is shouting. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he looks and he's like, okay. I'm with an Aes Sedai with a warder that can kick my butt. Oh, yeah. Kind of that stop, fade into the bushes, walk away. Yeah. Nothing good is coming out of this. So that's that's pretty much the, you know, pretty much the synopsis of, of their minor journey to another town called Barillon. Mm-hmm. Now, Barillon is a fun little area. Oh, yeah. It is by far the biggest. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh, you Watch did. Hill. We, skipped, we over... skipped over the ferry. We skipped over Terran Ferry. Yes. So um, they get to this another village on the river yep and in the middle of the night they have to get across the river the only way to get across for miles is this ferry it's big enough to for all the horses and they have to get this guy to do it so they go bang on his door and tell him you know we need to get across he's like well i'll take you in the morning i mean all my people are asleep and they do what they do and they flash him some gold so he goes, gets his people. I used to die. I have a lot of money. Yeah. He goes, he gets his people. They load him up onto the ferry and they get him across the river. 
And then Moraine, she honors what she said she would do and she gives him the rest of the money. And right when these guys are about to get on this ferry and go back across, this whirlwind in the water magically appears and just swallows the entire ferry. And now these guys are stuck. And so she gives her more money. Yeah. And says, oh, that's so unfortunate. Maybe this will help. And then leaves them. Yeah. You knew it was all her power that did that. Oh, yeah. It, it, It... Yes. There is nothing left to the imagination there. This was Moraine. So they start going further on. While they're going, uh, they're on their horses, and and then they get to Barillon. At Barillon, they go to... What was the name of the inn? Oh, my. It doesn't matter. They get to an inn that Moraine knew about, and she, uh, she was getting the place ready to go. And when she got to this inn, that's where they meet Min. Yes. A stable hand. A nice little girl. Mm-hmm. And bridges. Yes. This is uh, this is basically medieval times. Women don't wear pants in this. But Min does. Min does. Min don't care. And Min has short hair, too. Yes. But Min and Moraine, they, they little whisper to each other, and then they and then she runs off. Um, but what we find out later is Min can see images or auras around people. And these little auras or images that she sees tells her what's going to happen in the future. Right. Now, I don't remember all of them, and we can get at a later time. We can go through all of Min's little visions. Oh, yeah. To say. Th- that, that's an episode unto itself. That's a deep dive. Oh, definitely. But <clears throat> just so we know that Min does have this special ability, but this ability is not an Aes Sedai ability. Right. It is completely different. Right. And she doesn't always know what these images mean. No. Sometimes it's just gobbledygook to her, but when she knows what it means... It has always come true right there hasn't been a point where in any time where she saw something that did not happen right which is one of the reasons why we don't want to go into men's visions until after (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) gotta do it later yes (laughs) that's the thing but there's a lot of foreshadowing in these images oh yeah it's stuff that she'll see she'll see stuff that doesn't happen for like 10 books later yeah and so that's the introduction to Min. Min will be something special for the Fellowship and not just Moraine, but she's a companion to a Gwen. She's a companion to Rand. Right. Uh, she is a focal point for a lot of these things. Then we have Rand decides he needs to go out and just kick his shoes just right. to, to roam around town. Right. He's, he's had some, uh, he's been having some dreams and they're kind of unsettling. He wants to go clear his head. And while he's doing that, he runs into Pattern Fane, that peddler. Yeah, the one who we were sure was taken and eaten by Trollocs. We actually never said that. <laughs> well, we're saying it now. <laughs> so during the during the Emmons Field firing and all that stuff, they, they found dead people. They found all bodies. But the one person they couldn't find was Pattern Fane. Right. They couldn't find a body from him. They couldn't find any. No one knew right. anywhere where he, he had gone off to. His wagon was completely torched. And they thought the Trollocs stole him. Right. Because Trollocs will eat anything that's handy. Yes. And since he was the only one that was not accounted for, they thought that Fane was taken and eaten. Now, Fane is in a mess. He is, you know, running around. You know, he's, he's like pretty much hiding everything he's doing. Yeah. Um, and then while Rand is trying to get to talk to Fane to try to find out what happened, we then see the White Cloaks. Oh, the White Cloaks. Now, the White Cloaks just think that they are the most stuck-up, puritanic... Self-righteous. Yes, we'll say that. But they are the most religious people out there. Everything is to the light. Right. Everything is is for the light. And if you don't believe or have faith in anything that they talk about, you are a dark friend. Right. 
It doesn't matter if if you aren't. <laughs> right. which, which is ludicrous. Let's yes. let's admit it now. But but there so, we are. So then, Rand then Rand and Matt do something stupid yes. to the white cloaks. Oh, Matt was up with Rand at this time too. Y- yes. Uh, Rand started walking on his own. He met up with Matt, and when they uh, found Fane. Right. Now, Matt actually ran out looking for Rand because while he was gone, the wisdom showed up. Nynaeve. Nynaeve. And they don't know how. They left, and Lan has been taking them throughout the countryside every which way, and there's no way she should have been able to track them, but here she is at the doorstep. But she she learned how to track from her father. Yeah. Before he died. Apparently, she learned very well. She learned extremely well. Yes. Matt did something stupid to the White Cloaks, and then they started running back to the inn. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they got back to the end, they were like, hey, Maureen, we did something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and and Maureen was like, fine, we got to go. <laughs> uh, but while they were going, uh, one thing that they noticed was uh, Maureen was like, there's too many rats around. Right. Rats are spies. Rats, ravens, you know, any carrion of these eaters. carrion eaters. They are spies of the Dark One. They will go and talk to the Meridral. Yes. And... You know, tell them what's going on. And Moraine's like, they're going to, something's going to happen. But we need to get out. And Nynaeve leaves with them to go on the journey. Right. Because if she can't take them back to Emmonsfield, she's going to go with them and protect them. So actually, when they're about to, when they're packing up to leave, they turn a corner and there's a mirror draw in the inn looking for them. Mm. He is actually hooded. So no one can see that he has no eyes. Right. But if. Once you know the look of a mirror draw, you can tell. Yes. And he runs off when Lan comes out because Lan and Moraine, as part of their bond, can feel Shadow Spawn. And they can feel him in the inn. And Lan comes out just sword bared, ready to kill this thing, and he disappears. So then it's time to leave Barillon right now. And as soon as they leave Barillon, they get out of Barillon, and then all of a sudden they see. A lot of attacks and, you know, they see Trollocs coming in Mm -hmm. and they see the inn is burning down. Yes. And at this point, at the burning of the inn, this is where we're going to stop for the moment. Say thank you. Yep. I've been your geek, Scott. I've been your geek, Jason. And enjoy the rest of your day.